Welcome to the Keystone Church Podcast. Keystone Church is located in Keller, Texas, in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Now, let's prepare our hearts for this week's message. You know, I mentioned that we are on a march toward Good Friday and Easter. This Friday is Good Friday. And at Keystone, the way that we are rolling this year, and we did it last year as well, we're having two different services. We're having a Good Friday service, which is a standalone service. And it's almost like we're on a pilgrimage. You know, I I just got back from Israel uh, a week ago, and I saw a lot of people making a pilgrimage to Israel to show their devotion. And and Easter season, we're approaching it as, as a church, like a pilgrimage, where we We come to Good Friday and we let God do his work in our lives thinking about his very bad day, thinking about the funeral of God, thinking about the death of Christ. But then we turn right around and we come back the next day. And really, it's most powerful if you do both. Come back the very next day and bring a ton of friends with you as you come to Easter because the grave is not the end of the story. It's the resurrected king that we worship. Everybody else worships a dead leader. We worship a risen savior, right, church? This isn't a thought leader or a philosopher. You can go to his tomb and you can celebrate. You can't go to Christ's tomb and say, this is where he lay because he raised to life again. So we have something to celebrate on this Easter weekend, Good Friday and then Easter weekend. And I just have a question. Could, could I just challenge you to press in and ask, who am I inviting? We got a week to invite as many people as you can. Grab a yard sign, uh, grab one of those invite cards, and let everybody you know, because the stakes are high, the clock is ticking, our culture needs Jesus to be exalted, marriages need Jesus to be exalted, and they can find that here. So it's a great opportunity for you to invite. And then right after Easter, can I just share with you what I'm preaching right after Easter? And God is all over me on this series. I'm so excited about it. Right after Easter, I start a a series of talks called How to Grow Your Family Tree. How to Grow Your Family Tree. And we're gonna talk about how to fight for your family. And many of you, you are first generation on a new family tree. How exciting that you're the first generation. Now that may come with a lot of pain for you, but the good news is you're the first generation of your new family tree. Others of you, you have some history and legacy in front of behind you. How do you carry the baton to the next generation and the generation beyond that? We're gonna talk about how to grow your family trees and and we're gonna have at Keystone some mighty oaks walking out of here. Does anybody believe we need to talk about the family? Our families need help, and we're gonna do it. And May the 7th, I just wanted to throw this out there, May the 7th, we're gonna have a special give day where we give above and beyond our, our regular giving, and it's all to the general fund, but here's, here's what's happening. As May the 7th, we're preparing for summer, and if you've been to Keystone before, summer is, you know, everybody travels on summer. At Keystone, we turned it up at summer. We have a lot of fun. It's a special season of ministry for us, for families. It's a very special season for for ministry for families. We really invest in kids, we really invest in students. We have so much attention, we see so much life change. And so we say giving is the jet fuel for life change. So we're gonna have a special giving day 
above and beyond our normal giving on May the 7th. So start praying now. You got about five weeks to start praying, start preparing for that kind of a gift. And uh, let's come on that day celebrating and saying, man, I want to invest in the young generation. I want to invest in families this summer. All right? Are y'all cool? How about we jump into the last message in the book of Jude? I was talking to some pastors just this weekend. I was speaking uh, in, in Corpus Christi, and I was like, hey, have you guys ever preached through Jude? And, and very few pastors have ever preached through Jude. And I just highly advocated for it. I said, our people are loving the book of Jude. A, you can read it all together at one sitting, but also it's so profound and so penetrating in our hearts for our culture today. And today's the last installment on that talk. So let's go there. Jude chapter 1. Jude chapter 1, verse 24. And let me just set this up. We've been reading all the way through. And as you've read, it's, we've talked about us. We've talked about others. We talked about how to love your neighbor. We've talked about how to watch out for false teaching. We've talked about the impact it has on you. So there's kind of two audiences that we've been really addressing so far in the book of Jude. Us, me, me, and them. Me and them. As we round out the last part of Jude, we're in a section called the doxology. And at this point, it shoots like a rocket to him. We talked about me. We talked about them. And Jude, like a rocket, points up and signs off talking about him. Him. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever, amen. And I wanna read that again because I feel like that as he's writing, signing off, it just deserves a celebration at the end. It's like fireworks going off Godward. So I wanna read that last verse 25 one more time. And at the end, can we just celebrate in the spirit? I think Jude wrote it. He's been writing some tough stuff. It's a tough letter. And then it just goes Godward. It's a celebration to the only God, if you believe it, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be ready, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. We worship you, God, as we read your word. So good. I love interacting with the word of God. You know, about a year ago, I was, I was in a unique setting, and I found myself meeting somebody that's like a hero to millions. Have you ever been in that position where you're like, whoa, I'm here, and you feel like Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, like I belong here, I belong here? That was me, I was, I was in a, at a men's conference, I got to meet the great Mariano Rivera. Yes, he was speaking at a conference and he was sharing his faith, sharing his testimony, and this dude loves Jesus. So if you're like, I hate the Yankees, I hate that dude, well, you may spend all eternity with this guy. If you love Jesus, you're gonna be with him forever. 
and uh, he could really throw it in, in eternity. But anyway, and uh, so he, this dude loves Jesus. He was strong. I'd love to have him here at Keystone. And his testimony's unbelievable. You can't help but admire him, truly. And if you don't know who Mariano Rivera is, raise your hand. I'd love to know if you know who he is. I just would love to know. Okay, a lot of you do. And he was a part of that great Yankees team that won so many championships. And he is regarded by many, if not most, as the greatest closer of all time. I felt it being on the other end of his greatness, us wonderful uh, Rangers, being on the other end of it when he would climb the mound, I'm like, ah! Oh. It just felt like there was no chance. He was that good. He was the greatest closer of all time. Today, we're gonna talk about, in these last sections, how to win in the end. We're gonna talk about how to be a good closer. We're gonna talk about how we've gotta finish the job. And that's what Jude is doing. He's talked a lot. He has contended, he's talked a lot. He's talked about how to fight for the faith. He's talked about how to press in, how to take it seriously. Remember when he said in Jude chapter one, verse three, contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. You know what that means? Fight for the faith. There are some things in life that are worth fighting for. You know this is true. There are some things in life, you're like, I'm sorry, I'm not just giving that away. Uh, let me tell you something. As a, as a father who has daughters, I'm not just gonna ole. You just ole, come on through. Just anybody, no, I stand. Now, I'm not weird, mean guy. Like, when they come up, I'm sharpening my knife. I just butchered a hog though not a bad idea. <laughs> I'm not loading my gun. Hey, buddy, sorry, just cleaned my gun. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm decently cool, I think. But the point is, in my heart, my orientation is that I am established by God as a protector of my home. And I believe, as it says in the book, Song of Solomon's, I wanna, I wanna build a wall around my, my, my daughters. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a guardian put there by God, you know, and um, there's just something about some things that are worth fighting for. Uh, I was talking to someone recently, and <clears throat> he really did not like the guy that was dating his daughter. I mean, straight up, he was like, this dude ain't, this dude ain't right. It's not the right guy. You know, sometimes we as dads can be wrong about the right guy. We could absolutely be wrong. But this guy banged in, he said, what can I do Tell me one thing I can do. And that father, he said, you can go break up with my daughter right now. That's how strong he was, any minute. And that's what the, the young man did. He immediately went and he broke up with the daughter. The daughter comes back heartbroken and she said, why would you do that, dad? And, and he said, well, all I know is this, he didn't fight for you at all. He didn't fight for you at all. He didn't, he didn't, you can humbly fight for something, but he didn't, he didn't bang back, he just walked away and broke up. And, and as a dad, I'm saying, that was the right call. Because in marriage, you gotta fight for your marriage, right? You gotta fight for your marriage. There's some things worth fighting for, and can I, can I share with you, your faith is worth fighting for. What you believe about God is the most important thing you'll ever think about anything ever. 
Because what you think about when you think about God, it tracks with how you think about yourself, it tracks about how you think about your marriage, it tracks about how you think about your parenting, it tracks about how you think about entertainment, it tracks about how you think about pleasure-seeking, what you think about when you think of God is worth fighting for. And, and I'm telling you what we're fighting for, we're fighting to be true to the word of God. And voices that would pull us away, you gotta fight against those voices. And, and behind fighting, what's the point of fighting? It's winning. We don't fight to fight, that's jacked up. We fight to win. There's a battle against something that could drag you down. It's a true threat. You wanna win against true threats. So the whole book is about fighting and winning. Wake up and win, take it seriously. And, and what we just read in verse 24 is you can't win with God on the bench. You can't win with God on the bench of your life. It's impossible. He shoots Godward because there's no chance of you fighting for the faith, there's no chance of you fighting for anything meaningful in your life, anything that would cause you to flourish if God is on the bench. And this is, I, I think I talked about this last week or the week before, where we treat God as like, my relationship with God is like a bat phone relationship. It's like Commissioner Jordan just pulls up the siren when it's really needed, and then we put out the bat signal and then the, the superhero shows up to win the day, and that's a lot of times the way that we treat God. We kind of have a self-reliance about us in our culture. In our culture, I mean Western culture, but I mean specifically, boy, you wanna talk about self-reliance. Turn it up in Texas when it comes to self-reliance. I have it in me too. I have this thing inside of me, a self-reliance. And it can be easy for us to not understand the power that God has in our life, that he's not a player on our team, he's not even the MVP on our team, he's the team, he's the team. He's our everything, he's our utter necessity. Everything hangs on him being first. Often we see this as a sign of weakness. We see reliance as a sign of Weakness, the fact that we might need help as a sign of weakness. Can I just help you with that? You need help. Every single one of us needs help. Your pastor, he needs help. This great church, we need help. You need help in your marriage. Can I, tell, can I help you with that? You're like, what's wrong with my marriage? You have a normal marriage, you need help. You need help at work. Well, I think I'm doing pretty good. Man, you have no idea the heights you could climb to if you just understood you needed help. If you just understood you can't do it all. If you just understood that, that you need God first and foremost above everything else. You will never win in life. You'll never flourish if God is on the bench and you call him off the bench for special plays. You call him off the bench for unique moments. When you're really desperate, you've tried everything, you're at your end, call up God. Now, let me do say, if you are at your end and you've tried everything, go ahead and call up for God, okay? Don't not do it, because well, he's been on the bench, I feel like a hypocrite, I'm not gonna call on him. No, feel free to call on him and learn your lesson, you need him every day. And I wanna go ahead and say, at the end of our time together, 
as we often do here at Keystone, we're gonna have pastors and prayer team at the front, at the end of my message. And we're gonna provide a moment for you to come forward and have a moment with the Lord praying with someone else. We're gonna give you a moment to pray. And maybe for you, that's gonna be a moment where you come forward and you ask God to be your everything for the very first time. It's the first time you've ever crossed the line of faith and you're gonna come forward and you're gonna say, I wanna become a Christ follower today. And you'll become a Christ follower today and maybe you'll be baptized this Easter with so many others. Isn't that gonna be fun to see everybody baptized this Easter? It's gonna be great. Yeah, let's go ahead. But you can't win on the bench. What did it say in verse 24? Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to him, boom, who is able to keep you from stumbling. We have so many, we've learned this in Jude, we have so many opportunities to stumble. We can stumble because of false teaching. We've been misled. We've been consuming bad truth. We have a bad diet, and our bodies are rejecting that bad diet. I don't have the vitality, I don't have the strength because I have a bad diet of truth. I'm listening to false teaching, and it's causing you to stumble and lose your, lose your strength. Uh, we can stumble because of temptation. We can stumble because of sin. There's all kinds of opportunities for us to stumble. But know this, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, every Christ follower would fail in their Christianity. Every one of us would fall away if not for Christ's work in our life. Do you, do you hear that? The old school way we would say it is, you can't do God's work in the flesh. Okay, that's the old school way we would say it. What we're really saying here is, you can't do life at a God-appointed, God-anointed life in your own strength. You need God's strength to do that, that kind of life. Now some people, when they hear this, God who keeps you from stumbling, they have a false theology called sinless perfection. I wanna address that real quick. Sinless perfection is a theology that I would believe is false teaching. It's a, it's something, it's a, it's a pothole you could fall into that scriptures like this, you read it and you say, well, if he can keep me from stumbling, then I can be sinless on this side of heaven. That I should be sinless this side of heaven. And, and I'm gonna go ahead and help you with this. All throughout scripture, it's very, very clear, all sin and fall short of the glory of God. The apostle Paul was very honest. He said, I struggle, I do the things I don't wanna do, and then the things I should do, I don't. Who can save me from this wretched man that I am? Only Jesus can do that. So I wanna help every single body out here. If you think that being a Christian is sinless perfection, that is not what the Bible is saying here. What scripture is, yeah, and I wanna, I wanna encourage you right now that stumbling is not the sign that you've lost your faith, okay? God here is not saying that if you're really a Christian, you'll never struggle and you'll never have a problem, and, and, and if you do, you need to really fake it so nobody sees. He's saying, that I'm the God who keeps you from failing finally and fatally. I ripped that off from a preacher you'll never ever meet because he's dead. <laughs> Charles Spurgeon, one of my heroes. 
Charles Spoge, he said it in his way. This is my version of it. But God keeps us from failing finally and fatally. And our failures change, lessen, as we give God more of ourselves, called sanctification, more of ourselves every day. Okay? I hope you caught that. I'm going to go slow. We are sinful people. Right now, we are sinful people, and we tend to stumble. As you give yourself to God every single day, you will stumble in some areas less. You're gonna gain ground as you give him more ground. So I'm urging you to give him more ground. But as a Christ follower, you can have this hope. You will not ever stumble finally and fatally. Let me give you a John chapter 10. Verse 27, from the lips of Jesus himself, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. He's talking about Christ followers. Ready for 28? I give them eternal life. You don't earn it. That's a gift. And they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. I hope you heard that. No one will snatch them out of my hand. If you are Christ, you are Christ. My daughters can do nothing to no longer be my daughters. My son, I'm kidding, he's awesome. My son can do nothing to no longer be my son. Right, come on parents. To no longer, there can be estrangement, there can be heartbreak, there can be tears, there could be a season of, of, of lack of communication. There could even be a season of rebellion. They could say, I want nothing to do with you, but this daddy will always see that as my baby girl. It's my girl. It's my daughter. It's my son. I'm an imperfect father. Can you imagine how the perfect father, how his love courses through? You have story after story, teaching after teaching. No one will snatch them out of my hands. So this is the God that holds your eternity in his hands. This is huge, this is important. Do you ever feel inadequate for the life that you know you should be living? Let me give you a good encouraging word. I mean a real encouraging word. You are totally inadequate for the life you know you should be living. This is going to explain your frustration. <laughs> Here, walk out of here and tell your friends. Here's what I learned at church. I don't have what it takes. <laughs> you don't have the power within. You need the power above that works in you and through you. It's not a self-generated power. It's a resurrection power that was secured not by the work you have done. It's secured by the work that Christ has done through you. So don't leave God on the bench and don't get cocky in your own strength. Don't get, he's the God that keeps you from stumbling, not you. There's religious pride on the sins that you've conquered, haughty, puffed out chests of the sin that you've conquered and you begin to look down on others who haven't conquered the same sins that you've conquered yet. You're shocked and dismayed at their inability to kick it. You're shocked and dismayed at their inability to conquer it. Please, let's have mercy on those, as Scripture said in the, in the 20s of Jude. 
Let's have mercy on those who stumble. Let's have mercy on those who fall because lest we ourselves would be in their place. We always have to have our eye that we are not cocky in our own strength, but we are confident in God's strength in us. You can walk with your head held high. There's this false Christian humility. I hate it. I hate this false, you know, poor talking. Well, I don't know. You know, just kind of a negative, poor talking, down, down, down. No, have some confidence. I'm confident, not in my own strength. I'm confident in the, in the power at work within me who is Jesus Christ. Why would I not have confidence that God wants to get something done through my life? Why would I not have confidence in you? Why would I not have confidence in my family? I wanna speak confidence into my children and I wanna tell them, hey, if you'll just trust the Lord, boy, I tell you, you can do anything he wants you to do. You can do anything he wants, you can do anything he wants you to do. Anything he wants you to do. Unthinkable things you never dreamed of. If he wants it done through you, in you, it can get done. Bananas, crazy dream stuff. If he wants it done through you, it can get done. So why would you leave that on the bench? We're leaving resurrection power on the bench for our marriage. We're leaving resurrection power on the bench over our depression. You know, I have more points than this one. I need to keep moving. But I'm gonna, keep, I'm gonna stay on this for a little while longer. Louis Giglio, he's a pastor, he's an author, and I grew up listening to his messages. Louis Giglio, he wrote a book, and, and I love, earlier we read the scripture about Yahweh setting up that song, helping us understand that word Yahweh. It's the first word, that's uh, the first name that God gave of himself to others, and, and it's, it's an interesting word, it's I am, which is like, that's like bigger than a name. It's like not even a noun, right? He's like, just existence, I am, I'm bigger than your words, I can't. And he has a book, and, and the title of it was, I am not, but I know I am. And you know what, you get it? It's like, what? I'm, I'm like feeling like Confucius says, no, I am not, but I know I am. I'm unable, but I know I am. I'm inadequate, but I know I am. So the best thing we can do for you today when you're at a lid and you have a limit in your life, you may not be, but can you know I am? Don't keep them on the bench of your life. Not one more minute because God is everything we need. I am completely, utterly dependent on God's work in me in all ways every single day. It's like a picture of when I was a little kid and I was learning to ride a bike, my dad was behind me and I felt his presence and I didn't even understand when he had let me go so that I could ride on my own. The confidence to ride the bike came from I knew that dad's hand was on the bike. Anybody know what I'm talking about there? That's the same kind of feeling we need to know is that God is with us when you're riding through life's great adventures. You can trust his hands. You can trust he won't let you fall over. And the sores and the heights that you'll get to are unimaginable. They're amazing. Philippians chapter one, verse six. The Bible says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God initiated the work and he wants to complete the work. He initiated the work. He wants to complete the work. So he initiated a work in you. If you became a Christ follower, he has initiated a work. And he doesn't initiate something he doesn't want completed. 
And every day is a step toward that completion. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, that means our life is God's work. (laughs) Our life is God's work. That our ability to live is God's work. That we serve the God who will not let us go. Second thing about closing this thing out, as we read, is that God's victory is for our good. This great victory going Godward, when you put God first, it's for your good. It said to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Okay, this is, this is heavy stuff, but if you'll lean in, press in real quick. Press in and, and stay with me right now. This is not the time to kind of get a little ADD, all right? This is the time to like lock, lock in, all right? The Bible says that, you remember how I said that we're, we're, we're gaining victory over our sin every single day, but we're not there yet, but we're gaining victory every single day. If we trust God, we'll gain victory every single day. That's called sanctification. But we deal with the presence of sin today. So there's three kind of ways that we're being saved. We're saved from the penalty of sin, which is hell. We are being saved from the power of sin, which is every single day. And one day, this is what he's talking about. We're gonna be saved from even the presence of sin. That we're gonna have a glorified earth, no more hurricanes, no more tsunamis, no more earthquakes, no more mosquitoes. (laughs) They're demonic. They're from the devil. Devil, fruit of the devil. Glorified earth and glorified bodies. Glorified bodies, that's right. As I say, we're gonna run with the cheetahs, you're gonna swim with the dolphins, you're gonna finally get that six pack, turn in the keg, get the six pack, it's gonna be great. We get a new body, that's called glorified. How does that happen? He's talking about it right here. This is where I want you to press in. First word, justified. You will be justified. Okay, I'm presented spotless before God because I've been justified. That's a legal term, and it means just as if I had never sinned. When I was growing up, I used to hear this song sung in church, justified, never sinned, oh Lord. Justified, that's how I know what justification means. I didn't learn it at seminary. No, I'm kidding, I did. Justification means it's legal, my record has been cleared, it's as if I was, never, I was never guilty. Isn't that great? Let me tell you, if you've ever had legal trouble, that's a good place to be when you're free and clear of that weight. But he doesn't stop there, there's another word, righteous. And these are words I want you to hang on to, when they come up in the Bible, now you'll know what they mean. Righteous is relational. Justified is legal, righteous is relational. Righteous means I am now in right standing before God. I was in wrong standing, there was conflict. Now I'm in right standing. Have you ever had a conflict that got resolved, like really resolved, not like, okay, we have peace but we kinda still hate each other but we're not talking about it? No, I mean like, we're okay. Tears are shed, healing has happened. Maybe it was a misunderstanding. And maybe we misjudged a misunderstanding and we cleared it up and now there's healing and wow, it feels good. Well, magnify that times a million and you're beginning to sniff what righteousness may mean. 
Righteous is utter right standing before God. 2 Corinthians 5.21, I quote this almost weekly. For our sake he made him, that's Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, so Jesus is totally right with God. And when you're right with God, you get all the benefits that come with that relationship. When you're right with God, he treats you as if there's a rightness there. There's a fellowship there. You know what Jesus did on the cross? Jesus took, he not only took our sin, he became our sin. You're gonna hear this in a week, you know. He became our sin, okay? He became our sin. So he knows everything you've done, he felt it. He's experienced everything you've ever done. He became our sin so that in him, we might have the righteousness of God. There's been like an exchange. He took our sin, we got his righteousness. That at least should get like an amen. Like, <laughs> that should get something, right? So that means that God, when, he's, when you stand before him, he who keeps you from stumbling. When you stand before him, he presents you as spotless. When you stand before God one day, when you close your eyes to this world, you open them in eternity, if you have accepted Christ on the cross, his righteousness robes you and he does not see your sin. He does not see your sin. You do not have that shame. And the Bible says, you're like so right with God's celestial, magnificent God that you can go boldly into his presence. Like that's how right you feel you are. Compare that to the Apostle John in the book of Revelation. He wept, woe is me. Compare that to Isaiah in Isaiah chapter six whenever he was standing in the presence of God. He said, I am a man of unclean lips. I cannot be here. We, because we're righteous, get to walk into the heavenly courts, and you may break dance, you may just like, you know, you feel like you belong. You feel like you belong. That's righteousness. It's his first full circle for humanity. He's talking about the full circle moment from the garden to the glory. Started in the garden, Adam and Eve, naked and not ashamed. Consider your wedding day if it had been like that, crazy. But, it's just a thought. That's how they got married. Naked and unashamed. Totally vulnerable in the presence of God. Happy, dancing, loving, filled with purpose. And then sin broke it all. And we've been trying to get back to the garden ever since, right? You know what? Here the promise is, one day we're gonna have full circle. We're gonna stand before the Lord. No shame. No fear. Nothing but glory. Nothing but goodness. Boy, Jude is up to something. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says it all. And then he presents us as spotless. We're gonna be filled with great joy and God will be filled with great joy. There's nothing but joy in that moment. Jesus said it's for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. It's nothing but joy. Some of you think that eternity is gonna be a big, boring thing. I remember when I was a kid, I, I used to say, God, don't come back until I've gotten married. I was like, I wanna at least have sex before I... That's what I said, that's what I thought, seriously. And our students are saying the same thing now. <laughs> They're like, I don't want him to come back until 
I can do this, 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 and this. And it's a misunderstanding of eternity that there's no joy on this earth, this side of heaven, that can compete with the glory you're gonna have in the new heaven, new earth with your new body. There's no, nothing that compete with it. It's straight truth, y'all. And then finally, God's victory is, is for his glory. It's for his glory. You know, you're better when he's first. We started there. He rounds it out to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. And I could do a whole message just on those words. I'm just gonna let the Holy Spirit make those words lift. It starts with glory, the singular splendor of God, and his majesty, his greatness, his regality. He's big. His dominion, his authority, his controlling power his authority to use that power. And it's not temporary, it's not in spurts, it's forever. The glory, majesty, dominion, and authority forever is what secures you. So if you walk out of here with the voice of shame in your ear, you've blown it, you've messed up, you know they're talking about you, you know what they're saying, you know, you gotta stop that. Call on the power of God. You who keep me from stumbling will one day present me as spotless and you, God, see me that way now through the lens of the sacrifice of Christ that we'll be talking about this weekend. What I'd love to do, I'd love to invite our pastors and prayer team to go ahead and make their way up to the stage and just, just spread out all, the, all across here. And here's what I'd love for us to do. I'm gonna pray over us. And as we pray, when I'm done, we start singing. I'm gonna invite you, if you would love to receive prayer for anything, it could relate to this message. Maybe God's stirring your heart. There's shame that you've been walking with. And now you realize that you've been made righteous and you need to come and just connect with God at a point of prayer with someone else. This is, this is here for you. Maybe you'd like to become a Christ follower today. Come forward, we'd love to lead you in that. Maybe just like prayer over healing of your body or something like that, or pray for a friend. Whatever it is, we're here. Can we stand to our feet? And as we stand, I'm just gonna pray over us. And when we start singing, feel free to move and receive prayer today. Father, we love you and we praise you. You are first, you are everything. This is a church that believes that you are our everything, not a something, not a player on the team. God, I thank you for a church and a group of people that every day are wrestling. Not my will, God, but yours be done. Father, we're so inspired by even Jesus who said those words for a challenge that is greater than any of us will face. Not my will, but yours be done. Father, I pray for an openness and a readiness to meet you, to connect with you, to be healed by you, to be ministered to by you at the point of prayer. And I pray freedom in the room as we reach out to you. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about Keystone Church, please visit us at keystonechurch.com.